This is the Wired for Impact podcast. This is episode 68 with Dr. Ruby Eberwine. Welcome to Wired for Impact, the home to creators, entrepreneurs, and leaders who are wired to make a difference. My name is Peter King. I'm the host of the program. And in each episode, I bring you world-class leaders to help you get out of your own way, to inspire you to create a compelling vision, and to help you fuel and define a purpose that creates and amplifies your impact. I am here with Dr. Rudy Eberwein. How are you doing, sir? I am doing great. Thank you, Peter. How about you? Doing well. Thank you. Um, We've had some really fascinating conversations in the last couple of weeks, and uh, I met one of your associates not too long ago at a Joe Dispenza event when I was out in Denver. We shared a hot tub uh, hangout (laughs) at the end of the event and got to talking, and he inspired me greatly with his passion and his expertise in the field of masculine uh, hormone development, support, maintenance, uh, and increase. So um, you and I got to know each other a little bit in some subsequent conversations, and I first and foremost welcome you to the call, and I'm excited to get into all of this. Thank you. Been looking forward to it the whole week. Excellent. Um, can you please tell us about your medical history so that we have a sense of who you are and your expertise? Definitely. So um, originally from Haiti. I came to the States in 1991. I was 20 years old at the time. Um, And I always wanted to study medicine. So um, I actually started studying medicine in Haiti. And then I came here to start from scratch, learn English, went to medical school, um, went to University of Miami and got my MD. I started first working in the hospital. I was what they call a hospitalist. I was working in the emergency room, ICU, dealing with um, heart attacks, sepsis, really, really acute conditions. Mm. I loved what I did, but that wasn't completely my calling. I learned a lot from this, but I always more into more of the preventative side. So eventually I opened a weight loss clinic because my underground major was nutrition. So nutrition was always very important for me. So I opened a weight loss clinic with my wife. And as I was going along, seeing that, wow, I was helping my patients improve, I saw that they could reach a certain point but couldn't get to the next level. Mm-hmm. And that's when I learned into hormone optimization, hormone replacement therapy. Mind you, we don't learn any of this in medical school. I went to a really good medical school, was really well prepared, but no preparation to help you deal with hormone issues that we'll see more and more in our world. So mm-hmm. that was back in 2005. I started my hormone optimization um, career And I bounced around a few clinics until I really started seven years ago with Michael Bertonati that you met. And and we've been opening, we have a hormone optimization clinic. I specialize in men's health. We have a female doctor for female patients. And we're not just a hormone optimization clinic. Uh, To us, it is, we're biohackers. I'm a biohacker with an MD. Just, I can bring the hormone optimization. But every optimization always starts with the lowest hanging fruit, nutrition, then it's exercise, then it's sleep, then mindset, and hormone optimization. By adding all those together, you can really help patients get to the best version of themselves. And I love what I do. Um, I'm not just DMD, I'm also a member. I put myself to my program. Um, I'm 53 years old, and I went on testosterone replacement therapy. I was 
always pretty good with nutrition and mindset, but testosterone replacement has changed my life. I'm 53 now. I'm in the best shape of my life, physically, mentally. And I really am excited to speak to guys like you who really have a big platform to talk about this because this is a subject that people need to hear about. Men need to hear about this. 100%. That's um, really the impetus for this entire conversation uh, because it is, I believe, at an epidemic level where we're seeing masculine testosterone fall off a cliff, essentially. Can you uh, give us a little bit more exposure to that? Like, how bad is it actually? So amazing that you've, you've, you've used the word epidemic because it is really at that stage at this time. So when I started, when I was studying medical school, we learned about late onset hypogonadism, meaning that you develop low T in your older years, which is expected. You get to 55, 60, testosterone levels start dropping at the age of 30, about 1% a year. By the time you're 55, 60, 70, it's kind of expected that you have low T. So that's what we learned, late onset hypogonadism. So when I first started my practice in 2005, 2006, most of my patients needing testosterone were late 40s and 50s. Over the last 10, 15 years, we've seen a phenomenon where younger and younger men are coming with low T. And true low T, testosterone levels low and symptoms of low testosterone and symptoms like being tired, uh, no energy, gaining weight, low motivation, anxiety, depression, low sex drive. So we're having now younger men experiencing what we used to think of an, of an older men disease. And when I started my practice, I started seeing young guys like this. It was even hard for me to realize that, wow, what's going on? Those guys are not lying. And you know, we tend to want to blame the victim a lot. A lot of times when I would talk to my friends and colleagues about this, they would just say, ah, those guys are just fat and lazy. You know, I don't like using those words, but that's what people were saying. And I, I was telling them, no, most guys, by the time they come to me, they've done their research, their own supplements, they're trying to lose weight, they're meditating, they're trying. But I told you that you cannot out-meditate or out-eat a bad hormone level. When your testosterone or your thyroid levels are low, it, it, you know, it, it, it's like you don't have a good baseline for your physiology or for your psychology. So when you have a young man with low testosterone, it is a tragedy. So yes, always bad to have low T, whatever your age, because testosterone is what really makes us men. This is really what determines how you react to the outside world. This is good not only for our muscles, our sex drive, but really important for our mind, our, our desire to continue to lead, to serve, to conquer, to become better at what we do. So when you have low T, a lot of those things you don't have. So imagine having that at a younger age. And one study that came out out of the University of Miami that was truly career-changing for me, it's uh, actually interviewed this doctor, Dr. Ramasamy, University of Miami. He came up with a paper where they looked at adolescents and young adult men between the age of 15 and 39, and they saw that there was a 20% incidence of low in that population. Think about this. 15 to 39 years old, 20%. And their symptoms of low T tended to start, to start at a testosterone level of 400. You know, really quick, normal testosterone is 300 to 1,200. Conventional medicine will tell you, unless you're below that 300, you don't have a problem. But that study showed that for younger men, at levels above the 400, that's when they started with symptoms. And their symptoms tended to be more, not sexual, 
mostly low energy and low motivation. And we're looking at a lot of those young men in their 20s and early 30s, and you're thinking about this. And you're mm -hmm. like, yes, there is a correlation. Mm -hmm. what, what is the cause of it? So that is the big question. So when I started my practice again, I started, I'm seeing patients, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm excited. I'm changing the world. I'm helping patients feel better. I prevent them to go to the hospital. Um, you know, I'm doing preventive medicine, optimization medicine. This is great. Then when I started seeing younger and younger patients, I was like, what is going on? And yes, some of them were overweight. Some of them didn't have good habits. But eventually, I saw a lot of guys with good habits that still had low T. So I have to, again, question myself. It's not that they're just eating bad. It's not that they're just lazy. What is going on? And this is when a lot of studies are showing that really our toxic world, the endocrine disrupting chemicals, all the toxins like plastics, pesticides, now forever chemicals, um, all of this around us are specifically toxic to testosterone because all of them, they're estrogenic based. So it's almost like we're bathing our young men in a sea of estrogen from the time they're in utero, because it happens even in the womb, until now. So there is a concept called the exposome. It is what you've been exposed to from the time you're in your womb until now. And the exposome now is the most important determinant of health. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing is it's been such a precipitous drop of testosterone, including sperm count for men. Sperm count is easy to count. Sperm count has decreased 52% over the past 40 years. That's crazy. 52%. And sperm count goes with testosterone. So testosterone levels are decreasing at the same rate. So this cannot be our genes. Our gene pool did not change that quickly to account mm -hmm. for this over the past 40 years. It has to be the environment. It has to be what we're eating, what we're breathing, what we're putting on our skin. We're being bathed and exposed to it from everywhere. And studies are very strong now. EDCs have a direct effect on our testicular function, on our testosterone function, and on sperm function. So mm. this is a problem that's only getting worse. I interviewed this amazing uh, epidemiologist, Dr. Shana Swan. She wrote the book Countdown, and she's the one who conducted the study that sperm count has decreased 52% over the last th uh, 40 years. Mm. And it's amazing that we're not talking enough about this. To me, it's an epidemic. It is one yeah. of the most important things that we're facing because as a society, where are we going to go with this? Mm -hmm. So in her book, she says that if sperm count continues to decrease like this, in the next 40 years, 90% of couples will need some kind of assisted reproduction. Mm. Not sustainable. Yeah. And now not only is low sperm count decreasing, it's not just, all right, I have low, uh, low sperm count, I'm going to have IVF, I have a baby, and I'm good. A low sperm count is like the canary and the mind, it is what's it's associated with poor long-term health in men. So that's only just a sign of increased risk of heart disease, diabetes, stroke, um, sexual problem, decreased libido, decreased rate of erections, ED. We're seeing all this in our society. So it's not our genes. It's our environment. Mm. Is this phenomenon global or is it in the Western world? Is it... it what, where that, are those studies question. coming from? Um, and again, you know, Shana Swan, I encourage everybody, read that book, Countdown. We did an interview with her. It's on YouTube. It's really interesting. So when she did a study, she did it in the first world. So it was really in the U.S., Australia, and Europe. 
And she kind of got criticized for this. They'd be like, yeah, this is a first world problems. In the, in, you know, the developing world, people having kids, there's no problems with this. She actually did the study. She updated the study. Uh, she did a, So she finished her study in 2011. Then she looked at 2011, 2018, and she included those different countries. And she saw the same thing. Sperm count is decreasing in all of those countries and testosterone levels getting lower. Because now it will exporting all of those uh, bad habits to all those countries. McDonald's is everywhere. Ultra-processed food is everywhere. We're sending all those pesticides like atrazine, glyphosate, everywhere. Plastics is a global problem. Plastics turns into microplastics. Yes, we're worried about microplastic, what it's doing to our animals, to, to, you know, to, to the fish, to the birds, but it ends up in us. We breathe the microplastic, we eat the microplastic, and microplastics turns into BPA, bisphenol A, and phthalates that are both estrogenic and anti-testosterone. So mm. the loop is closed. We produce too much plastic and pesticides, it goes into the environment, now it comes back to harm us. So mm. it's not only testosterone. So the, the way the evolution of my practice has been, I started with hormonal health, low T, and ED. And the, the, the question you asked, I asked myself that, why are we seeing that? And I went back, I'm like, oh, it's toxins. Then when I looked at toxins, I'm like, toxins doesn't just cause this. Toxins, like, they, they have neurotoxins. So high risk of multiple sclerosis. Parkinson's disease, there are some uh, toxins, TCE, that have been linked directly to an increased risk of Parkinson's disease. The mm. risk of autism, anxiety, cancers, it almost touches every system in our body. Environmental toxins are causing are a big part of the increase of chronic diseases that we're seeing in our world. And we don't talk enough about this. No, we sure don't. I The, the thing that I think of when you share all that is because I work with a lot of um, I, I do some relationship coaching and you, you hear all the time from women, where are all the good men where? And it's like I, I can't help but make a correlation between those two things, because I, I know as a man in my personal journey, I've experienced, you know, t moments and and periods of hyper focus and creativity and drive and, you know, wanting to build, et cetera. And then just other times where I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on, but I have nothing. <laughs> I'm so lethargic. Uh, and that has an obvious and immediate effect on relationships. Um, not to mention, uh, you know, your significant other, but also children and coworkers and friends. It's like, man, if you're not showing up that if as a man, it, it affects everything, uh, which is again, a big problem. So I'm glad we're getting into this a little bit more. Can you, and I'm sorry. And what you said is very important, Peter. It's when we talk about sperm count, testosterone, you think, okay, I'm going to go on testosterone. Maybe the guy has low T, you know, a lot of times I see younger men come to me. They've been fighting. They're kind of, you know, sometimes it's depression or a blah feeling, low energy, low motivation. Again, you're very self-motivated. Look at what you've done in your life. But imagine if you experienced this when you were 20, 25, when yeah. you're supposed to be at the peak of your life, and then you have that blah feeling. You kind of feel unmotivated. You don't have that, that, that energy, that youthful exuberance. Remember when our testosterone has that peak, you know, 16, mm -hmm. 20 years old, you kind of knock Ahead, but you're full of energy. And it, <laughs> it's not just you. It trickles down to your relationship, to your job, to your kids. So we're having a generation of young men who are not experiencing that biological optimization, that, uh, that hormone optimization. 
So they cannot show up and be the best version of themselves. So you hear that all the time now. Women, young women are outperforming young men in almost every category. Mm -hmm. I remember when I went to med school at UM in 91, our class was the first class that had 51% women. Mm. Now it's about 60-40. Mm. All women are graduating high school, technical school, graduate schools, are getting higher levels of position, and younger men are not showing up. So it's not just testosterone. There's a whole host of reasons, you know, social, cultural, but biological reasons are also a part. Mm -hmm. uh, because I see those guys all the time. They come to me with low T, I've been to their primary care doctor, maybe were on antidepressants for some time, you know, could not show up. We put them on our program with biological optimization, testosterone if needed, thyroid if needed, B12 if needed, all the right supplements. You fix their nutrition. You make them exercise, lift some weight, you know, start getting better habits, mindset, connection, having that bigger purpose. And you turn that unmotivated, lazy young person into a self-motivated beast. It's mm -hmm. possible, mm -hmm. but it starts with biology. Let's go into the biology a little bit. What uh, Explain what testosterone, um, there's different types of testosterone. So can you explain and share for those that are just um, new to this entire uh, uh, arena, if you will, what is the different types of testosterone and what are we looking at to optimize essentially? Well, th there is one testosterone. So the testosterone that our body makes, it, it, it's a sex hormone that's actually derived from cholesterol. And both men and women make testosterone. And testosterone for men is what defines the secondary characteristics of a male. So from the way a fetus develops, um, I, when I learned about this, it was mind-boggling. A fetus is by default female. Mm -hmm. Within the first six weeks, three weeks of growth, if the fetus, whatever the, 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 the genes are, whether it's XX or XY, the chromosomes, if you don't get the right amount of testosterone at the right time, the sexual ridge, the way the fetus has is just a little line. When it's hit by the right amount of testosterone, that sexual ridge differentiates into secondary male characteristics. Mm. So without having that influx of testosterone, the fetus usually is by default female. So that's why male fetuses tend to be very sensitive to environmental toxins, because you need that high push of testosterone at a very specific time of development. So we, our body makes one form of testosterone. And so when a boy is born, the testosterone is low until they go through puberty, and you have that push of testosterone, and then it stays constant usually in your 20s, and from your 30s it starts decreasing, until you're older, and then, you know, as we get older, eventually you just want to sit down on a chair and watch TV. That's when you have low T. So yeah. that's the cycle of life of testosterone. So forever, just like every hormone, we've been able to manufacture and synthesize the hormone. That's why we have different forms of testosterone replacement. Whether you do testosterone replacement by pellets, by cream, if it's by injection, there's testosterone cipionate, enantate. So all of those are just salts carriers that they bring to the bioidentical testosterone molecule to bring it into your body. So there's mm -hmm. one form of testosterone, there's just different carriers to bring it into you. But there is no question that testosterone is the most important hormone for physical and mental male differentiation. Mm -hmm. It's not just the muscles and sex, most important brain and psychoactive hormone. 
Um, yes, I should have clarified in the question. Um, what I was getting at a little bit more is the free tea versus uh, I forget what the yeah total the name is. So, yeah. so, so that's an important thing because if you go to your general doctor, and I see that a lot, the guy will ask, Doc, I don't feel good. I'm lacking energy. Check my testosterone. They'll check most of the times just a total testosterone because that's what's covered by insurance. Total testosterone, the way I like to explain it, very simple, is total testosterone is like money in your savings account. It's sitting there. Free testosterone is the active testosterone. It's cash in your hands. So if you go somewhere and you need to pay cash, doesn't matter what your total testosterone is. Doesn't matter how much you have in the savings account. If you need cash, you need free testosterone, you need that now. And what I'm seeing with a lot of patients, especially younger patients, they may have a decent amount of total testosterone, but their free testosterone is low. So if you don't check that, a lot of times those guys go to their doctor that your testosterone is 450. That's good enough. It's, it's, it's good enough. It's not testosterone. It's in your head. Here's an antidepressant medication. So anybody listening here should understand the difference. And if they're asking to have their testosterone checked, to make sure they check both the total and the free, because the free testosterone tells us a lot more. It's the active hormone. Mm. So you're telling me that insurance companies make a di there's a difference. They differentiate the different. Why? Why? Money. You know, at the end of, of the day, it always of comes to money. Yeah, but what? But, but work. Out, help me understand the economics on that. Why it, is it because more people are on low free tea and and therefore they'd have to pay out more to get an increase at the free no, tea or it's, whatever? It's, you know, medicine in general, it takes a long time for things to shift. Mm -hmm. So again, when I went to med school in the 90s, low T was not a big issue. Low T was mostly older guys, 60 years old, want to be young, you know, having ED issues. Those are the guys. So I, I barely had one hour of testosterone um, education um, um, when I was training. And at that time, we all thought testosterone caused prostate cancer. The studies are completely against that. So we've never had a great education on testosterone. I had to go and do extra training to really understand this. So for the, 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 the insurance companies, first, they don't even want to check you if you're not 40, 50 years old. You have to demand that. Second, they've always just checked total testosterone. The science is coming out. Now even conventional medicine, that doctor I told you, Dr. Ramasamy at UM, you admitted, is like, I check a free testosterone. Sometimes I tell the patient, he may have to pay out of pocket, but we need to check that because that's a more complete picture. Gotcha. Um, you mentioned a second ago about prostate cancer and how that is a um, um, studies have shown that that is that testosterone does not lead to that. Correct. Um, can you expand on that a little bit? And what other myths um, have we now uncovered through the years of study that we've been looking at this? Definitely, because no matter what, I'm a physician and my first thing is do no harm. I would never want to put a patient on a medication that can cause harm. So that was a big thing for me to overcome my bias, that when I was in med school, um, we, we, we always learned that testosterone causes prostate cancer. Because mm -hmm. one treatment for prostate cancer is they do androgen deprivation. They give you a hormone that suppresses your testosterone and the cancer regresses. So there was one study that was done in the 1950 by Dr. Higgins. He actually got the Nobel Prize for this. And he looked at, I think, three patients and he made a conclusion that testosterone causes prostate cancer. And then the study from that one, the, the 
every medical education from that one study in 1940 deducted that testosterone is bad. One study. When I learned about this, again, mind-boggling. And um, since then, we've had hundreds of studies that show that testosterone does not cause prostate cancer. If you do have prostate cancer, it's possible that it kind of makes it go faster uh, because there it does respond, but it does not cause it. And actually, they see that low testosterone is a, um, uh, is a factor for high-risk uh, prostate cancer, more aggressive type of prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. The other misconception that we always had is that testosterone increases risk of heart disease. And there's actually a black box warning from the FDA because of the two studies that were done in 1912, 19, uh, 2012, 2013, that were very poorly done. We've always known that testosterone actually decreases your risk of heart disease because with testosterone, you tend to have less body fat, more lean muscles that are associated with decreased diabetes, decreased metabolic syndrome, and better cardiovascular health. So Mm -hmm. there were two studies that came out that were very poorly done, criticized by the medical literature, that showed that there was a slight increase in heart disease. And the media and the FDA ran with that. Since then, there's been so many studies retracting that to the point that the Mayo Clinic came up with a consensus statement in 2018. They came up with 10 consensus statements on testosterone. They had, I think, 20 specialists look at all the evidence about testosterone. And one of their first statements was, testosterone does not cause prostate cancer. Mm. Another statement was, testosterone has become low T, they call it uh, testosterone deficiency, has become a global problem, a global epidemic, and the age of the patient should not determine whether this patient needs testosterone or not. So again, the Mayo Clinic, 2018, consensus statement. Um, uh, we did a video about this also because I still speak to some of my physician friends and they still think testosterone causes prostate cancer. It's hard to change. You know, it's hard to, to, to teach an old dog uh, new tricks and yeah. physicians were really bad at this. We have what we call this bias of what I know is what I know, and I'm going to keep reading what I know. Mm-hmm. I overcame my bias. I really went to a lot of conferences, studied. The studies are available. You just need to open your mind, look at it with a critical eye, and then you will see that it's completely different than what we used to think. Mm-hmm. If I could ask you, do you, are there ways that, what are the natural ways that a man can boost up his testosterone? Yeah. And I always start with this, right? Any guy who comes to me and be like, doc, I think it's my, it's my testosterone. What's going on? So the first thing is always nutrition, lowest hanging fruit, prioritizing protein, now avoiding toxins, trying to eat as organic, grass-fed beef. So really trying to key it up on nutrition. Number two, exercise, lifting weights. A lot of our, you know, our society now is, 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 Really, it's not as inactive society. We used to be working outdoors, lifting heavy things. It's way less than this. But mm-hmm. weightlifting and developing muscle, really important. Sleep, really important. We're not sleeping. There's always blue light coming. Our melatonin is always being suppressed by all of those, those external sources of light. Um, so nutrition, exercise, sleep, those are to me the most important thing. Um, getting enough sunlight getting vitamin D, you know? So all of those things, before I even tell a patient, we're going to go on hormone replacement, I make sure that this base is covered. Mm-hmm. Then the next step is if you've done all this, you still have low T, 
all right, what supplements can you take to help your body go through this? Testosterone boosters are so-so. Um, there's a lot of marketing about a lot of testosterone boosters out there, mm -hmm. and they don't work that great. But if you're a young man, you're doing all this, things that I like, things like Tonkat Ali, Boron, um, there's some supplement that can really, fenugreek, um, tribulus, the, 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 the Greek leaf, um, fenugreek. So there's a lot of supplements that may give you a little push. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the guys I get in my clinic, by the time they come and see me, because, you know, if you just do a YouTube search on how to increase your testosterone naturally, you'll find a thousand videos, a thousand uh, websites talking about this. Mm -hmm. By the time most guys come to my clinic, they've tried all of this. Mm -hmm. They're eating better. They're lifting weights. They're taking the right supplements. Um, Tucker Carlson had an episode on Fox News where he was saying there was one study that showed that sunning getting sun on your testicles increases your testosterone. So they were telling young men, go out there, open your legs, and get sun on your testicles. Receive it, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, this was a, maybe a 1% increase. Uh, that's not what we want for our men. So, <laughs> yes, I want people to do the baseline of the nutrition, exercise, supplements. Do all this. But if you do all this, and you still see that your testosterone is not there, and you're seeing that you're not showing up, you're not being the best version of yourself. You need to go deeper. And mm -hmm. that's what I try to coach my guys into learning how to be your own. I like to say, learn how to become the, your own chief medical officer. Mm -hmm. You take ownership of your health. You do the research. You, look, you listen to people who really know this. When you go to your doctor and you ask something, if they tell you no, you don't like the answer, look for another doctor. Look for a functional medicine provider who can really listen to you and help you get to the root cause of your problem. Because what we're dealing now in our toxic world is not what we used to deal 40, 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. It is a completely different world. So if, if somebody's listening to this and, and having those symptoms that I said, and you feel like you need to check it, first, do your own research, do your work, because we always have power with better nutrition, better exercise, avoidance of toxins, and the right supplements. But if you're still not where you need to be, find the right provider to help guide you. Through this. Mm -hmm. I would also encourage, uh, and you can give me your opinion on this, but I would also encourage people to listen to their bodies. Um, I hear that from some feminine friends of mine or women friends of mine, if you will. They're very connected to their bodies. Um, mm -hmm. Men tend to use their body as a tool, I've found, and and we don't necessarily think about it as a um of receive, uh, uh, you know, a feedback machine. Um, and uh, what I've done is I've gone through different, uh, diets. I've done different things. And it's really, really interesting when you really like, like for, um, example, subs, um, supplements, I'll, I'll be on certain supplements and then I'll remove some and you can feel the effect and you're like, Oh, wait a second. And you add them back. And you're like, Oh, that definitely, I can definitely feel that supplement. And I find that that's a really good barometer too. The reason why I say that is because I think there are times where we'll go to um, experts and we think that we don't know anything. And I do think that, like you just said, I love that term that you just said. What was it, the chief? Chief medical officer of your chief own health. Of your own health. And, and if your body's telling you something, you know, Listen. to have the intuition to follow that. Yeah. Um, and I'm yeah, going to segue into something really quick. Me and you have talked a lot about meditation, um, the inner world, plant medicine. This is when a lot of times men who tend not to be in touch with themselves, not to be in touch with their feminine side, there's no question 
that I believe in balance and in yin and yang, that everybody has a feminine and a, and a masculine side, a good and a bad side. It's always in balance. We tend to ignore the side too much, listen to our body. Um, so to me, developing an inner world, an inner practice, helps you become your inner healer and the CMO of your own health. Men need to hear this because we tend to be just, you know, pull yourself from, what is it again? Men up, pull yourself up from, from your bootstraps. Come on, stop thinking, don't cry, do what you got to do. Mm -hmm. It's good to have this, but you still need to have that inner presence, to have that, that connection to your own body and to nature to really listen to yourself. So that yin and yang, very important. That, you know, honestly, this was one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you, because um, I have spoken to other um, masculine uh, what you, male clinicians before, and um, they say virtually the same kind of things. But what was really different about my conversation that I had with uh, Miguel uh, in Denver in the hot tub was he got into what you were just talking about, the inner development and um even the feminine energy um which was fascinating to me we got a we had a whole conversation about his spiritual journey not to get into that on this call but um it was it was pretty funny he's a pretty intense guy and, intense. And, and and passionate and i loved the passion and the whole you could i was watching the whole hot tub we were at a hotel so the hot tub was pretty big it was probably you know 30 people in this large hot tub and uh you know, I could see everybody like looking over and listening. And then all of a sudden people started gravitating over. And the next <laughs> thing you know, we had, you know, several people talking about this because it, it really is an epidemic of a lot of people are both men and women are dealing with the effects of it. Um, let's go a little bit. I'm curious about your personal journey and where you what was the pivot point for you to open up to the mindfulness side of uh, masculine development? Completely. So, um, and, and I'm going to share here, you know, we, we've talked before. So, you know, I've always been a type A personality, alpha, go push, 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 overachieve, keep doing. At one point, I was working 100 hours in the hospital. I have six jobs, six different clinics that I'm running, always wow. moving, always going. Um, at one point of my life, I had a lot of losses in my life. I lost both my parents. I lost a brother. Um, so I've had a lot of losses. I grew up Catholic. And at one point, I became an atheist. I became a scientist, scientism. I was like, we're just evolved animals. We are dust. We'll go back to dust. We're nothing but this body. So enjoy this body. And that was my life. I believed in science. I believed in things I can see and I can touch. In 2017, my brother, my older brother, the closest person to me, committed suicide. Mm. And that was the hardest thing that I ever had to deal with. Um, threw me out for a loop. I didn't know. And the way I reacted, that's how I usually react. I worked more. I opened more businesses. I kept going, going, going. And my friend told me, he's like, Rudy, I see the way you are. Go to Mexico. Go see my friend. Go see this shaman. And I did my first psychedelic experience. Mm. And Peter, it was life transforming. Life transforming. Mm. Um, I, you know, I'm not here telling people to go do illegal substances. This is something I did personally. I cannot recommend that to anybody, but it changed my life. While I was doing that psychedelic um, session, I felt connected with source. I felt the energy of my brother, and it turned me into a deeply spiritual person, and it made me a better human, a better father, 
a better husband, a better physician, and overall a better person. Because now I understood that we're all one. We're all connected. As cheesy as that sounds, it is really when you do one of those experiences, and I know Joe Dispenza, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. It gets you to tap into that energy, that, that great energy that it's hard to explain, but that every philosopher, religion, or, or book is trying to get us to. When you just, just don't talk about it, you tap into it, it changes you. Mm-hmm. So this is how I became way more vulnerable, more in touch with the inner self, my inner self, my inner healer, understand the, the, the yin and yang, understand that everything is balance. And it made me a deeply spiritual person. And I realized that this is what was missing in my journey of optimization. Because I was pretty good with my hormones. I was pretty good with my nutrition, diet, sleep. I was dialed in. Mm-hmm. I needed the spiritual optimization. Once I added this, it changed me. Mm-hmm. And now like the hero story, I want to bring that to my patients. Mm-hmm. I talk about this nonstop. Just like Miguel, everywhere we go, they can't shut us up because we see what this can do. Biological optimization, spiritual optimization. You feel like you're on top of the world. Yeah, that's beautiful and obviously so necessary. I want to make a quick point of clarification, though. Joe Dispenza obviously doesn't get into uh, third uh, alternative substances. Um, uh, your point was that you reach that higher level of uh, connectedness. Um, the Dispenza world goes through a meditative process that's 100% uh, natural, 100% just your body and your mind. Um, and then there's alternative paths that you can take with plant medicines, et cetera. Something I have also gotten into a little bit recently. And I, yes, I feel you. It's been, it's been fascinating how, you know, I, I think the scientist, the atheist part of your journey was like, you said it, you was like, I, I will base reality based on what I can see and touch and feel. Um, and we have such human beings, we have such a small sliver of understanding uh, of reality with the light spectrum, the sound spectrum, the, uh, you know, all of that is, and we know that there's realities outside of that, different types of microwaves and different types of uh, energies that we don't have access to. And I think when we do that meditative and or plant medicine type journey, you're tapping into that higher consciousness, that higher frequency um which again it sounds let, a little let me reiterate yeah what you yeah. said i agree and um what i love and i can't wait to go to jody spencer is because it helps you tap into this energy without using anything unfortunately a lot of people like i've tried meditating but i haven't been able to get there i needed what we call an entheogen substance something that mm-hmm. brings you to god mm-hmm. those are usually some kind of psychedelics and then now ketamine is the one psychedelic that's been FDA approved to be used in the U.S. for depression, anxiety, and PTSD. And I have a clinic that we do ketamine sessions for depression, anxiety, and PTSD. And I'm going to tell you, most of my clients, patients, that I bring to a ketamine session to treat those, those symptoms, what they experience is the same thing as the experience. They tap into this energy. So it is an entheogenic substance that gets you there. The mm-hmm. goal is that you can get there without it. That's why the monks, uh, you know, uh, the, the, um, those meditators who are good meditators can get there. Prayers. Uh, I have a friend of mine. He was my, my roommate in college. He lost his son about the time I lost my brother. Mm-hmm. 
and he's very into praying and very religious. He did something called the upper room experience. It is described in the Bible. He went and they were praying over him for six hours. He told me after four hours of fasting and praying, he told me, I went somewhere. He's mm. I, I, like, I don't know how it happened. I went somewhere and I came back. I felt healed. I felt, I'm like, that's what I experienced. I'm like, you did it through prayers. I did it through a substance. Jody Spencer does it through his meditation. Monks do it through their, you know, um, Vipassana meditation. It's to me, it's all of those are just ways to get to the one truth, to the source. But by what, whichever way you can get there, once you have biological optimization, find a way to get to that spiritual optimization. Yeah, I, I you said it beautifully. I, to me, it's like tuning into, it's like a radio, right? And you're, you're tuning into a frequency. Um, whether you are able to do that completely naturally and through meditation, whether you do, you're still tuning into that same frequency. Uh, and I've done both. So I, I, I can speak from, I can speak from experience. Um, the Joe, uh, Joe Dispenza stuff, I've been able to reach, you know, out of body type experiences. And it's, amazing. it is, it is, it is amazing. It's like, it was, and it was, um, I was not anticipating that. I got, I went into the Joe Dispenza world um, really to join my father who has been diagnosed with Parkinson's and was wanting to work on that. And so I got, I kind of tagged along and I didn't even know, I knew just a little bit about Joe Dispenza, but I didn't know how deep it went. And, um, you know, that end of that first week, I'm having out-of-body experiences and my body is experiencing wow. energy that I've never felt before. And I was like, all right, this is, this is a, it's a paradigm changer. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's amazing. I, I think I'm going to go there in January Yeah, because it is really something that um, <laughs> I, I want to build myself as what I call the, the white coat shaman. I want to be able to bring yeah. Western medicine supplements, hormones, or whatever is necessary, but with Eastern tradition mm -hmm. of really the inner healer connecting energy. Um, Western, me Western medicine and Western civilization, we've put this, this part to the side. We need both sides. We need yeah. optimization of both body and spirit. So I'm so glad you did this. I'm jealous. I can't wait to go and experience what you did. Uh, I can't wait to hear your uh, experience about it as well. We'll have to obviously hook up after that. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting time right now culturally where these two philosophies are – I'm seeing them merge. Um, and just like yourself, it's, it's awesome to have practitioners like yourself on the leading forefront who have the open-mindedness to say – to not fall into, hey, this is what I know, but what else can we add to this? And And – bringing the, that synergy together is very interesting. And, and we're seeing some really fascinating results from that based on, you know, some of the stuff we're talking about right now. Um, one of the best things that I have heard somebody say about these higher meditative states, um, either through plant medicines or through the deeper meditation is it's psychologically, as we grow, we create these thought patterns in our mind that are literal physical uh, connections in your brain and neurological what's that it's called the default mode network yes and so as we have experiences as kids and we start to grow up we have these neuronic connections that are created and they're kind of like grooves um and i should be able to attribute this properly but i can't remember who i heard this from but i saw it on a video online where the guy was talking about uh it's like a uh, it's like a, a hill covered in snow and people sledding and you have these grooves 
of these sledding paths. And every time you have a, a certain thought or an experience, you groove that um, neuronic pathway in your brain. And so when reality, when you bump into something in the external world, you have a, a quicker tendency to go to certain conditioned thought patterns. Um, alternative uh, plant medicines, meditation, the analogy that was shared or the metaphor that was shared with me was it's like a fresh fallen snow. And all of a sudden you don't have those grooves anymore and you realize, oh, there's other ways down this slope. You have other ways to experience this hill. Oh, wait a second. The hill is much bigger than I realized. I've only been sledding down this one little area and it opens up your mind to what you couldn't see before. I love that uh, metaphor. And that's what I've personally experienced. It sounds like you have too in that. Amazing. And I've heard that also, and I love it. I yeah. like skiing. So it's a very <laughs> beautiful image for me to, to think about a, a mountain with all those deep grooves. And no matter what you do, you know, you go down the, the, those grooves and then you have fresh snow. You can go anywhere. So let me kind of tell you the science behind this. Yeah. So and and what that did for me, because I needed to understand the science. Again, I'm I'm first a science guy. So what that is, is the way that we we think. Is and we can, they can do that by functional MRI. Is our ego, our personalities develop with everything, all of our experiences when when you were a kid, what you know about yourself, what they told you about yourself, what has happened to you, and that's why it, it becomes now um, a firing of different neurons that fire. So you wake up in the morning, you're already like, oh, I have to go to work. My back hurts. I have to do this. Um, I'm triggered. My wife didn't say good morning to me. All of those things. So those are the default mode network. This is the short circuit that all those neurons keep firing together. What psychedelics do, they kind of stop that default mode network. It almost, and the functional MRI shows that. When you take somebody and you get, put them in a deep meditative state or you put them on psychedelics, you see that there's a decreased blood flow to that area of the brain that mm -hmm. creates that default mode network. That's the short circuit. Mm -hmm. Now, when that's no longer existing, new parts of the brain can connect and talk to each other. That's what we call neuroplasticity, mm -hmm. new connection of the brain. That's why after you do a psychedelic session or deep meditation like this, what you do after is very important. Because now, just like the metaphor, you have that new fresh snow on the mountain. Now you can put new grooves that are not the old ones that you set not the mm -hmm. old triggering things that you used to say to yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's why they are noticing that for psychedelics, when somebody does a session, what's important is the integration after that, mm -hmm. is what you start saying to yourself, because your brain is more plastic, it's easier to put new thoughts, new ideas of who you are, and new ways to react. One Very thing true. that is so exciting is MDMA, ecstasy. I think it's going to be the first one besides ketamine that's going to become FDA approved for complex PTSD. It's already approved in Australia because what MDMA can do for PTSD, complex severe PTSD, is when you take MDMA, you can re relive that trauma. And if you have an experienced therapist that can help you see it from a different angle, reposition it, there's an extremely high success rate of treating PTSD with talk therapy with MDMA. So mm -hmm. the, the, I looked at the FDA the other day. I think by 2024, MDMA, Molly, mm -hmm. ecstasy, mm -hmm. is going to become FDA approved for PTSD.
what what a what a change in 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 thinking that we're going through. It's a true renaissance. It it really is a renaissance. It's a perfect word for it. Um, I think there's been a lot of fear around it uh, over the last several decades. We have a lot of um, beliefs. I grew up. I'm I'm imagining you are too with uh, a certain hesitancy and or um, you know these are gateway drugs. If you if you do this, you're going to end up doing. You're going to be addicted and all this. And there's that's not to be taken lightly. That that yeah, certainly can be the case. Certainly for an addictive personality. Um, but I do think that there are more professional, mature ways to look at these substances, um, especially ones that were given to us by the freaking planet. You know, it's like these are and God. We have receptors for. It. Yes, we were designed with receptors for this for a reason. And you're completely right. We're not here telling people to go out there and experiment with drugs that are not legal. Not at all. I'm just saying what the studies are showing that this is exciting, and everything that's going to be done, it needs to be done with the right clinical setting, with the right set and setting. It needs to be followed properly. You need to be evaluated because there are side effects. So possibly with any of those substances. So I take that very seriously. At my ketamine clinic, we do a thorough investigation before we qualify anybody for those treatments. And we only do it in the clinic. Our ketamine, we do it IV. You don't go home with it. Uh, it's really for the transformative changes that can happen in your life. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've realized also, so I had a lot of guys that were coming to me that have done plant medicine. So they have the spiritual optimization, but they came to me and they're like, doc, okay, I connected, things was great, but my back still hurts. I'm still tired. I still don't have much energy. I still have low motivation. You can't out-meditate or out-psychedelic a low testosterone. That's still the base of function. We are physical animals first. We are part light, part human, but you need to take care of the human part. So what I've realized on those patients, and I've had a lot of experience with this, guys who have been experienced plant medicine users, when I optimize their hormones, they tell me it's a completely different experience because their biology is better. Mm -hmm. Now it's, it's, it's the last cherry on top. I, I'm sure that that's true. I would push back a little bit on that, though. I do believe that meditation can alter the physical body. I've experienced it, and I've seen miraculous healings. So I don't want to take that away. If somebody is on that path and med and they're getting results from it, I think what's really effective about what you're saying, though, is is if you are on that path, if you are meditating and you're bumping into struggle, if you're not able to push through that, um, there are ways that we can supplement the physical 100%. biology to support 100%. the meditative path. And, you know, I believe in miracles. And the way I think miracles are is what sometimes we see at Joe Dispenza, sometimes what we see at the medical office, at the hospital when I used to work. Sometimes people came to pray. And then the next day, we're like, what did, not the next day, then, then six weeks, four weeks later, whatever, where yeah. did the tumors go? We mm -hmm. cannot explain that. So mm -hmm. I've opened myself to believe in miracles, things we cannot explain. But if that doesn't happen and you need the biological optimization, either that, they usually work well hand in hand, but yep. you're completely right. Sometimes we can really do things with, our, again, miracles that we can explain, whether it's meditation, Prayers, uh, there are all those things that happen. No questions. Yeah. So um, we're getting actually already short on time. I feel like we just started this conversation, but just started um, talking, man. I know, I know. <laughs> I want to give uh, guys that are listening to this call a quick overview of what they can expect. Um, what is the process? Walk us through that real quick. So um, at our clinic, um, we do a lot of telehealth, 
and somebody would go on our, on our website, medicalhealthinstitute.com. Um, they would request, you know, like we have a lot of information in there. Then they would call and talk to one of our um, coordinators. We call them coaches, wellness coordinators. Uh, we, we need to do a thorough blood assessment. We do really deep into the biochemistry to look at different levels. For example, thyroid, we check five different biomarkers of thyroid. Testosterone, we check six different testosterone, LH, FSH, estradiol, prolactin. So we go deep into the blood test. After the blood test is obtained, then they schedule a consultation with me. I'm always seeing the new patients. I based, and before I even look at the numbers, I sit down and I talk to the patient. Because that's one thing we've lost also in medicine nowadays. Medicine has become a number-centered diagnosis. A lot of doctors just look at the numbers. If you're within a certain parameter, I don't care what you said, you're good. Mm -hmm. So I listen to the patient, I go over a symptom list, then I look at the numbers. And I see based on the numbers, what can we optimize? What are you deficient or suboptimal on? And what can we help you um, replace or optimize to get you to the best results possible? And then it's a constant checking and tweaking. After we do that first, we do follow-up blood test in two months. We talk again on the phone. How are you feeling? Let me see your numbers. Let's tweak this, tweak that. And it's a journey of optimization that we're always constantly tweaking and trying to get you to the best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. So you guys are in South Florida. Um, I'm in Missouri, and it was really nice to be able to go to a local, um, you know, get a blood sample or do a bl yeah. blood uh, panel locally and then had the conversation with you. So I just want to make that clear that you're not bound by a local restriction there. Um, so... Uh, once that, if somebody decides to move forward with you, what is the actual substance that they're getting and they get it through the mail? It's right. And then you talk about the different ways of uh, consuming it. How do you, do you only do it one way? Remind me, do you have different ways no, that people can take it? or different ways. So once we do the, the blood test and the evaluation, and when I talk to the patient, I tell them, okay, this is what I found. So I'm going to take an example. Let's say you have hypogonadism, low T. Now we're going to decide is testosterone replacement a good option for you? The one thing we have to make sure that we understand, for my younger patient, testosterone replacement does decrease fertility. So I have to have the talk with this. If they haven't had kids yet, testosterone may not be the best option for them. So that's when we may go with things like HCG, clomiphene, although I don't like it as much, but to more increase your own production of testosterone and to increase fertility. So that's the one conversation. If fertility is not an issue, and you meet criteria for testosterone replacement, then we talk about the different options. We have, uh, the, to me, the one I like the most is testosterone by injection. And now we can do injection with a very small needle, an insulin syringe, that is, can do either subcutaneous or intramuscular. And one thing we've learned about testosterone injection, instead of doing one big dose every week or every two weeks, we do microdosing. We split the dose into smaller sections, into smaller doses, because that's how our body makes testosterone. We don't make one big dose that slowly goes down. We, we, you pulse. So the more you can pulse, the more you mimic physiology. Mm. Besides injection, we also have testosterone cream, and we have different um, percentage of cream, different strengths. We have a sublingual trochi, a tablet. Also, that can be used. So we have different forms. So it is really personalized medicine. Not one patient is the same. I sit down with them. I go over what they, what I would recommend, and I give different options. And besides the testosterone, you know, which is 
the main player, the, 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 the most important one, you need the supporting cast of the right supplement, the magnesium, the vitamin D, the amino acids. Um, you know, so all of those things are important. Once you put all of those instruments playing together, it's a great symphony. Mm. Um, can we talk real quickly about the side effects, uh, maybe some of the negative side effects as well? I know uh, some people are concerned about possible addictions, not, not addictions, but what that once you start, your body stops producing it naturally, and therefore you're, you're having to be dependent on uh, yeah. external testosterone. So, so that's a great point because a lot of people are stuck on this and are scared of it. So you're never dependent on testosterone. You can come off anytime you want. So when you take testosterone, it, it shuts down your own body production. That's how it decreases fertility. And in some cases, it can lead to testicular atrophy, where you have, you have shrinking of the balls because you're, they don't need to make more testosterone. Mm -hmm. So those are, that's definitely a side effect that can happen. And the way we can mitigate this is that we'll put the patient on HCG or Clomid to make sure there's still some testicular stimulation. Now, let's say you just take testosterone by itself. After six months or a year, you decide you want to stop it. If you stop testosterone, your body will go down. You will experience a crash of T, usually by week two to four, and you will feel it. You'll feel lower energy. You won't feel as good. But usually within the six or eight weeks, you go back to your normal baseline. So if that patient came to me, their baseline testosterone was 300, within six to eight weeks, they'll go back to 300. If that wasn't good enough for you before, you just go back to not feeling as good as it used to be. Mm -hmm. But you never depended on it. Your body will go back to the normal. And what we do with our patients who want to stop it, we do what is called post-cycle therapy. They stop testosterone. I'll put them on HCG for four to eight weeks to make sure they don't experience that crash of testosterone. Mm -hmm. But you will go back to your normal baseline. And I'm going to take me as an example. I started at 48. And at one point, I was like, oh, I'm tired of injections. I think I can out-muscle this. I'm going to meditate, exercise, and eat one, and I'll be fine. Within two months, I was like, forget this. I need my <laughs> mental energy. I need my physical energy. I'm not dependent on it. But I am so much better when I'm optimized that there is no reason if doing the right way, it's a win-win. You can feel good, look good, and I can protect your health long term. This might be a, a more of a novice question uh, as I'm learning on my journey of understanding this better. When you begin taking testosterone, obviously there's muscular development. You're needing to go – if you go into the gym, you're going to increase muscle mass, correct? Um, is there a uh, – if you were to take more testosterone, would you expect larger muscles? Is there a like correlation between the two? Yes. That, that's why, for example, the bodybuilders will take doses like 600 to 800 milligrams a week. Medical replacement – usually do between 100, 200 milligrams a week. Yes, the higher your dose of testosterone, because testosterone is a natural anabolic steroid. So that's why even 18-year-old kids will take that, and they'll still gain muscle. So even if you don't need testosterone, you will gain muscle with it. But the goal of medical replacement is not this. So a typical dose is anywhere between 100 to 200 milligrams. Yes, if you exercise and you eat well, you will gain more muscle. But our goal is not to turn anybody into a bodybuilder. Our mm -hmm. goal is to help you decrease your body fat, increase your lean muscle mass, strengthen your bones, help you clarify the brain fog, help you uh, think more clearly, more logically, have more motivation, more energy. That's what the goals are. And mm -hmm. if you exercise enough, you will develop more muscles. And talking about this, you know, I, I need to mention that 
the, the, the arrival of those amazing peptides like semaglutide, ozempic, and, and tilzepatide, Mountjao. For patients who are struggling with weight gain, especially visceral fat, belly fat, difficult to lose weight, a lot of the visceral fat is associated with a lower level of testosterone. So for my patients who need testosterone and are struggling with weight, the addition of one of those GLP-1 medication, I call it the, the, the it's a dream stack. Testosterone and tilzepatide or semaglutide, wow, it's amazing because now you're able to lose fat and gain muscle. Most times when you're losing weight, you lose fat and muscle. Our patients, when we replace, when we put them on the GLP-1s, we replace testosterone if necessary, and we really push nutrition, protein optimization, and weight training, this is amazing. Mm. We change people's lives. We change people's inflammatory markers. We reverse diabetes. We reverse metabolic syndrome with this treatment. And we turn a lazy, unmotivated, team non-compliant patient into a self-motivated beast. We see that all the time. And then when we add now the spiritual optimization, you become a beast who's connected and grounded. And that mm. is amazing when you get there. Mm. What's your best case study of that? Is there, is there like, what's the biggest, you know, oh, gap we, that we you've seen? Seriously, hundreds. And, and, you know, if you guys go uh, on our website, we have more than 350 five-star reviews. Our patients love to give us honest reviews because I tell them sometimes if you tell me your story, somebody reads the reviews, they may identify with one of my patients and they decide to make that, that life-transforming journey. But I'll never forget this one guy, 32 years old, just had two kids. He was a corporate lawyer, um, came to me on antidepressants. He told me, Doc, I have everything going for me, but I have low energy. I'm feeling tired. I'm unmotivated. I work 40, 50 hours a week. I can function. I'm not bad. But now my libido's down. I kind of just want to go home and lay on the couch. I feel blah. His testosterone was like in the 380 range. Went to see his primary care doc. They told him that was within range. They put him on an antidepressant. Made everything worse. He gained more weight, had more sexual issues. It was like something's not right. Came to me. He had his kids already. After informed consent, we decided let's go on testosterone treatment. Within six months, this guy's life was transformed. We put him on testosterone and tilzepatide. He lost about 40 pounds in six months, changed his eating, changed his body, uh, decreased his body fat, and he became so motivated that he finally was able to leave his corporate law job and he's opened his own law firm that he wanted to do forever. Mm -hmm. So he felt better physically and mentally. His wife sends us emails to say, thank you, you <laughs> gave my husband back. Oh, that's sweet. That's really sweet. Do you have... Do you have a few more minutes? I have a, a few more questions if we have time. I have a few more hours if you need. <laughs> okay, excellent. Um, I, I, one of the questions that I have thought about and uh, that I've, I don't know that I've heard a clear answer on this. Um, one of the things that we've seen the last, obviously the last couple of decades is the proliferation of porn. And uh, is, is it possible that men are ejaculating more now and therefore giving away their life force and that that is having a direct uh, effect on their their obviously their libido but their overall t count have there been Definitely. any studies on that so i don't know about the, the the t count but there's no question that the proliferation of porn is doing a really bad effect on our men uh because it is related to the dopamine release from our brain so you release so much dopamine by having so such easy access to porn and it's such a big dopamine release 
that now you're being addicted to that dopamine release. Mm -hmm. And and for for young men looking at at porn like this, it is setting unrealistic expectations. And it's too easy to just watch that, you get off, and then that's easy. So there is no question that I see porn as one of the contributing factors of young men not relating to to, to women the the right way. There there is a, a, a big correlation with this. And limiting or eliminating porn really does a good effect on your relationship to, 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 to females. Um, as far as decreasing sperm count, it's actually, um, there was a study that came out uh, to see how do you prevent prostate cancer? And it actually shows the more you ejaculate, the lower your risk of cancer. And the number was, I think, was it 21 times? If you ejaculate 21 times over the month, your risk of prostate cancer decreases. I was mm. like, man, that's a lot of times. That's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> so, but tying it to porn and to that easy dopamine release, dopamine addiction like this, to me, that's a no-no. When I counsel my guys, I always say that it's not worth it. Mm. Remember when we were young, we had to go. I, I remember if I wanted to watch porn, I had to go in my dad's little, um, <laughs> go in the back. I see one or two pages, and you get excited for a whole week. Yeah. You know, that's a slight dopamine release. But yeah. now when you have that on your phone and you're watching it all day long, it's all about the dopamine. Isn't it wild how different it is right now compared to like, like you were saying, shit, when I was in fifth grade, it, like a JC Penny catalog was the big, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> how unsexy <laughs> is these like, yeah. Yeah. Grandma <laughs> bras and stuff. But that's, that's what yeah. we had access to. My grandfather used to tell me that when he was young and he was born in 1906, so like in the early 1910s uh, or I guess 1920s, uh, if you saw a woman's ankle, oh, that was that was a big deal. You know what I mean? It's just it's why yeah. and, and compared to now, I'm, I'm, the point I'm trying to make is like to what we have access to now, yeah. our children. It's like, fuck, no wonder there's yeah, the uh, Internet is a double edged sword. You know, oh, it's really changed our society for the better. Yeah. But that side of it is scary. I have 16 year old twins. Twin girls, I try my best to protect them, but it's yeah. it's so pervasive. It's so out there. You know, you always have to check the phones, check exposure to everything. It, it is difficult. Being a teenager growing up in this age of technology is difficult. It's such a minefield. And even if you do it, even if you're like amazing at home, it's it's their friend, you know, it's yeah. the, somebody else yeah. that they just matter. It's like, yeah. uh, it's so per, uh, proliferant. Um, but you know what's the solution to this? What's that? Inner connection. Yeah. If you're connected to source, if you're connected, you understand the great mystery of life. You're a different person. Yeah. That's where, again, personal responsibility, inner connection, inner world, the more you develop that, the stronger you become. 100%. Become a big, big, big proponent of this. And I never learned that in medical school. This mm-hmm. is completely opposite of my Western traditional conventional medical training. But I'm going further into, into that route because I see that this is even more important than anything else that we're doing. And when you combine them, you get amazing results. Yeah, 100%. Um, last question, what makes you guys different? There's a lot of male clinics out there. What is it that you guys are doing specifically that uh, puts you above the rest in your mind? I think number one, our passion. You heard Michael when you saw him, 30 <laughs> guys came around and we all don't, just don't talk that talk, we walk that walk, we live that life. And, and we're, we're all on treatment uh, because we all needed it. But more than just the physical, I feel like what makes us different is this approach of mindset 
this approach of understanding that it's not about the physical world only. We need to take care of our mind. We need to take care of our spirit. Mm. As an MD, when I started realizing that, and what got me on that, 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 that road is when I started to understand quantum physics and quantum uh, mechanics to see that we're all connected. Hinduism and Buddhism has been telling us that for 5,000 years. Mm -hmm. We're all one. We're all connected. Once we understand that, I think that puts us at a different place. And in our clinic, our mindset, our inner world is really, really important to us. So we're great at biological optimization, but we, we can talk about mindset and having the passion to talk about this. To me, that's what makes us different. I love that. Dr. Rudy, thank you so much for your time, your passion uh, today, and uh, the wisdom that you shared. If somebody is interested in talking to you a little bit further, can you give us that website again? Yeah, www.medicalhealthinstitute.com. My social media is at Dr. Rudy Best Life. So it's D-R-R-U-D-Y Best Life. All I'm trying to do is bring everybody their best life. I'm living my best life. I'm hoping to bring everybody to their best life. Ah, it's beautiful. Thank you, man. Really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to, well, maybe you have to have you on after you go to the Dispenza event. Definitely. I can't wait. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank you, Peter. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wired for Impact. If you're interested in creating and expanding your impact, be sure to visit us online at impactnow.com. Thank you.